0: Welcome to Absolute Destiny, a podcast. I'm Autumn.
1: I'm Chesney,
0: and this is a show where we watch Revolutionary Girl Utena and give our takes on it. Uh, Today we are on episode twenty-two, Namuro Memorial Hall, and oh boy, this one! I, I warned Chesney about this one, saying that like everything you think you know about the Black Rose saga is going to change as soon as you see this episode. We get so much information here about the school about like just like the metaphysics of this reality. Like the rules of Otori Academy come to a head in this episode. Like we we get like a really clear indicator about at least
1: some of what is going on here. Yeah. And uh this for me kind of confirmed that like everybody who goes to the school just lives on the premises like there's no other explanation for it they have to be on the grounds <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i i think that that's not clear i think that they leave the grounds but like as long as they're attending the school
1: ah i see okay
0: you know like they remain a part of that world
1: okay okay okay
0: i don't know how that works um i don't I don't know that that ever really truly gets explained, but.
1: <laughs> Victoria like, Academy it, said, as long as you're attending or working here, you're a main character.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. And apparently like uh, rent for lodging and all of that is just like, it's covered by the same part of the contract as like your hair color. Like it's just all taken <laughs> care of for you. <laughs> right. And we start out with like a really interesting shot of um, Akio talking to the prince. and he comments that the we're down to the last of the black roses. So clearly Akio knows something about what is going on in Namuro Hall. Mm-hmm. And he says, he ponders like, I wonder whether or not Mikage himself is gonna actually step up and duel because like he's been using proxies this whole time
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so we don't get a duel this episode this episode is like the pre-climax like the final piece of information before like the big confrontation Mm -hmm. um yeah, you know, this is every anime is, like, episode nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, the, the penultimate episode where you learn everything that has been hidden from you this whole time, and then all that's <laughs> left is the fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, like, that's our first big reveal, right? That Akio definitely knows what is up with the Black Rose.
1: Yeah. And then also... <sighs> After this, we get the student council researching. Before I go there, though, did you say? in the sorry, my brain's having a brain fart moment. Did you say in, at the beginning that like we got shots of? Uh, you did say that we got shots of the prince, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, um, that's what I thought. Uh, I, yeah, Akio. <laughs> Akio is talking to the prince in this. In that, scene. yeah, that's that's who he's talking to uh, when he says these things.
1: That was the first one that we'd gotten in a while. It's been a long time; it feels like since we've seen him.
0: Yeah, um, it was the last time that we saw Akio talking to the prince was at the beginning, episode thirteen, which was like the recap episode before this arc started.
1: Yeah. Okay. And we hadn't seen hide or hair of him since.
0: Right. Although we have
1: gotten a
0: lot more of Akio in that time, because like that was also our introduction to Akio. Yes. Was like Akio talking to the prince. That was how we met him the first time, like properly met him mm-hmm. as a character. And then like this entire arc, he's been there mentoring Utena. And now we get the the truth that he had a hand in the black rose while also <laughs> like mentoring and grooming Utena. Like, he's been playing both sides here
1: yep yeah i didn't even (laughs) i'm still absorbing so much from the episode that i didn't even think
0: about that oh yeah no like this episode is just someone throwing a full barbell at you and expecting you to catch it like there is so much in this episode
1: yeah or like an an opened can of paint (laughs) And all of it just splashes you and you're like, okay, well, I got to absorb this. Hang on. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I didn't even think about that. That because of the Black Rose reveal, it does mean that he has been playing both sides. I mean, we knew that he was like fishy from the start and he wasn't being like truthful with Utana, you know, like seemed to have like a hidden agenda type thing. But like, this is next level. Like,
0: and. Remember what the Black Roses whole goal is. Yeah. Mikage and Mamia, their goal is to kill Anthy. <laughs> yeah. And he's just been uh, letting that uh, happen. He's been feeding it apparently. Cuz like in a little while we're going to get to see that like Akio is why he's at the school in the first place. Yeah. The whole idea that we have just had this reveal that Akio himself is behind the effort to kill Anthe. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's just. (laughs) I didn't think my mind could be blown anymore, but it has been. (laughs) So like we know about how like
0: awful and inappropriate their relationship is and how abusive it is. And now we know he's trying to kill her. Just like take her off the board. I and, yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't quite understand that. Why would you want to be behind killing her? But who knows? It'll probably be revealed in the next episode or two.
0: Well, I, I think that we've talked before about this like codependent parasitic relationship between these two where, like, clearly she has some magical power. Clearly that power has something to do with the prince. And there is something about all of this that Akio wants. And so, like, she's as much an obstacle to him as a means.
1: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And so, like,
0: I, I guess I'm thinking that, like, if this character, Mamiya, could take over, which we'll get to Mamiya's whole deal in a little bit, but like, yeah, <laughs> if you could if you could replace the Rose Bride with someone who, you know, isn't actively hostile toward you, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess like that might make sense. Um, but yeah,
1: but she's still not actively hostile towards Akio. Like not that we can see as the viewer at this point.
0: I guess like I'm inferring that from the way in which like he still doesn't have the power to revolutionize the world that he's been after this whole time. And she's clearly the key to this
1: somehow. Oh, I see. Okay. So still withholding it from him. Yeah. Okay.
0: And then like the antagonistic conversation that he's having with the prince back in episode thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um he just very much reads like a character who feels like he is being denied something he deserves (laughs) (laughs) that he thinks he
1: deserves. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, like right away in the first like 15 seconds of this episode,
1: bombshell. Um. (laughs) Yeah. We finally have the student council getting their act together and trying to do research (laughs) on (laughs) Who it is that's been attacking them or like what group or what have you like just trying to actually figure it out instead of just (laughs) floundering around, (laughs) flailing their arms like, oh, no, we're being attacked.
0: And they lay out a couple of like key pieces of evidence here, like um, mainly that they have the rose signets which means they have the backing of the end of the world and they are definitely someone on campus with access to everyone involved. And while they're having this meeting, the metaphor here is like a train going by. Yeah. (laughs) And this to me, like the metaphor here feels very much like they are missing something so obvious (laughs) yeah <laughs> that, like they can't even hear themselves think because like they're just spinning around on the clues that they have and are just like totally missing the really obvious point
1: right you'd think it'd be like you think the first thing they would go to is oh this new thing has been happening on campus who's new here <laughs> 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 who's new that could have brought this here oh yeah that Mikage seminar thing started up.
0: Right. And not just that, but like finally piecing together, like, oh shit, the end of the world is actually involved in this. <laughs> yeah. Because this whole time they have been waiting for marching orders and have gotten nothing. They've been completely abandoned by the end of the world. Hmm. Meanwhile, we have a new set of duelists. Who are fucking with them as much as they are fucking with Utana? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And once again, we have an elevator ride without the without the chant. Um, instead, they are just riding the elevator while reading, which that's a recipe for motion sickness. I don't know, I don't care who you are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially an open-air elevator like the one that they ride. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although I guess like going down would probably be- be worse than going up but yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and the next piece from here in the episode is Utana looking for choo-choo now i was trying to remember he's gone missing like maybe one time before maybe
0: i feel like it's kind of a, a perennial joke throughout the show of Utena trying to track down Choo Choo. But like. <laughs> he's never like missing missing. He'll just be like hiding from her or something. Like a yeah. But yeah. like this time. She's like actually wandering around campus looking for him.
1: Yeah. That's. I thought that felt different. I was like. I don't remember her like. Wandering around campus looking for him before. It's usually like. Oh he's missing. But I found him the next room over.
0: Right. And like this entire plot arc, we have seen Utena interact with Choo Choo more than with Anthe and more than Anthe with Choo Choo. Yeah. And this just like comes right back around to that. It's not Anthe looking for Choo Choo. It's Utena, which again, like if we keep with this idea of her, be- or of Choo Choo being like, a familiar or something like that, or like a stand-in for Anthe. Um, I think that Anthe's emotional distance throughout this entire arc is what Utana is really looking for. Like I-, I think that's the metaphor here. Is yeah. um Utina is looking for the emotional connection to Anthe that she had in the first season. And that is represented by the way she's always looking for Choo Choo or is always around Choo Choo. But Anthea is never there herself.
1: Yeah. And if you think about it uh, too, as Choo Choo is kind of like a familiar that Anthony can control, um, none of his actions ever, in, like anything in the show, ever feel unintentional. Like him going quote-unquote missing and her finding him at Numero Hall definitely feels like Anthe just sent him there uh, right. for Utena to find and then for them to have that interaction. It f- still feels very much like, even though Anthe is like ma- withholding some sort of power from Akio, she still seems to be following like what he wants to do on some level.
0: Or... On the other hand, she might be in a position of, like, not being able to tell Utena what's going on.
1: Ah, yes.
0: But is using Choo Choo to lead Utena to places that Utena needs to go to figure out what's going on.
1: That feels more likely because, yeah, I I like the theory.
0: Quiet defiance.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I like the theory more that, like, Choo Choo is her like the familiar, but also the subconscious mm-hmm. and like the emotional side of Anthony, like the, almost like what sh- piece of her that she has protected, like the innocence and things like that. So if she can send that off to point Utenna antenna in the right direction. Yeah. That feels, that feels better. Less malicious. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but also what's interesting is like in this arc, despite them like rarely showing up on screen together the times that we do see utana and anthe in the same scenes like especially in the duels they talk a lot more yeah they communicate directly significantly more um anthe yeah. speaks up during the duels on utana's behalf and not just as a way of like disrupting the other person's calm but like um almost like they're she behaves almost like an actual partner not like romantic partner but just like partners in this effort of winning the duel mm-hmm. you know she becomes kind of like utina's corner coach throughout this season
1: yes yeah and um even in the little scenes that we had with them together in this episode yeah they're talking whereas before in like the previous Season slash arc. It was way more of the two of them together, Anthony being quiet, subservient, just there in the background. Right. So that's good.
0: So the point of all of this is Mikage is the one who finds Choo <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and Choo is like blown up like a balloon. <laughs> and he's holding Choo Choo by the tail. Um, and he hands Choo Choo to Utana. And what I want you to l- remember, listener, is like, for the remainder of this first half of the episode, Choo Choo stays a balloon that Utena is holding. Yeah. Like, in the next couple scenes, he is still being held by the tail as a little balloon. <laughs>
1: I don't know what significance that holds, but it's something. (laughs) Because otherwise, why would they draw it in there? (laughs) But Mikage takes the
0: opportunity to introduce himself properly to to Utana, Although, like, it's not really a proper introduction. He names her. And then she has to guess at, like, oh, hey, you're this guy, aren't you? (laughs) Um, So it wasn't like a proper introduction that way. But... She calls him the genius who runs the Mikage seminar, and he asks her to join mm-hmm. explicitly for the first time.
1: Yeah, there was an interesting, like, because of some of the things you talked about with prior uh, episodes of the podcast, uh, it was way more noticeable to me this time when the music suddenly cut and all you hear is like a lone cicada in the background. <laughs> For the remainder of this scene. I mean, it was like, you want to join the Makage seminar? Music cuts.
0: <laughs> yeah. And let's think about this for a second. Like, his goal is to kill Anthe. Now, imagine what happens if he gets Utena into that confessional.
1: I don't even know what she would say. You know, like, what... What is she... <laughs> I'm like trying to imagine like Sith Lord Utenna and I can't really put a <laughs> finger. I can't really put a finger on it.
0: Well, I think the closest we get is back in like episode 11 and 12 where mm. Toga has beaten her. Yeah. And, you know, she loses her focus. And like if she could, like if he could get her back to that spot of, um, I don't know, it's just like that desperation. I think there might be something there that that he could work with. So I think that he's bitten off more than he can chew with this one and that if he gets her into the elevator, it's going to go the same way that it does for Tatsuya Kazumi, the the onion prince guy. Yeah, um, where like this is where Utena's nobility comes forward like on some level I don't think that she could be pushed to that point yet um where like something truly emotionally honest would come out of her mouth that would (laughs) that that would like challenge anything that we believe about her at this point or would make her vulnerable to being a black rose duelist Mm -hmm. but also um like I, i think those elements are there i just don't think that the show has given us any way to get access to them yet. Like, I think that stuff is going to come up in future episodes, but we're not there yet. Like I, nothing that Mikage has seen or that we, as the audience have seen yet would lend itself to believe that like, there's something there to turn her with.
1: Um, Right. She hasn't been pushed that far in this arc yet right at the same time
0: had she gone into the elevator had she joined the mikage seminar and put on the black rose ring and all the rest of it there's no one else to defend anthe at that point yeah she could just straight up murder her
1: <laughs> yeah she wouldn't get her sword <laughs> She wouldn't get her she wouldn't get her rose bride sword, but I mean, from the rage and wrath that we've seen from other black Rose duelists, I wouldn't put it past just choking her out with her bare hands. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the trick is that auntie's into that
1: uh. dead <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the other reveal uh that we get. I don't know if this is a reveal at this point, but um as Mikage is talking to Utena, he says, he brings up the whole rumor about the 100 board, 100 boys that were killed here in a fire. <laughs> 100 <laughs> boars, the 100 wild hogs that he yeah. has to defend Amero <laughs> Hall with. <laughs> that um. He has to defend Numero Hall from with his AR15. <laughs> No, but the 100 boys that were killed there in a fire. um, And then they had the pig roasting afterward. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He says uh, that rumor is true. Which to the audience at that point, that's like kind of a reveal, but also like my gut instinct was, is he psyching us out right now? Like, is, is it a scenario where Like somebody's pulling your leg about like a ghost story, you know? And they're like, yeah, it's all true. Ooh, you know? Like,
0: (laughs) but I mean, we've seen the bodies at this point. Like, we as the audience have seen the bodies.
1: Yeah, you're right. (laughs) But to Atena, it's still a reveal. Kind of. It's that, that's the feeling that she, I feel like she would get is like, is this true? Is he pulling my leg?
0: I guess, like, he's the one person who could probably confirm it,
1: though. Oh, yeah. I mean, we know later. <laughs> he can definitely confirm it. Uh. Oh, yeah. But he says, too, that they died in the fire. Everybody was trapped inside. Um, he talks about Professor Nomuro being trapped inside as well, I believe, and died. And uh, the school rebuilt the hall soon after. And which I is... think
0: what's interesting about this is like, it's not Nimuro sensei. It's uh, Nimuro Kyoju, which is professor as opposed to like teacher. Like it is professor Hmm.
1: So he was tenured. He had a, reti- he had a title. He had a retirement plan.
0: Although when we get to the flashback, it's clear he's still a student and that professor is his nickname.
1: Well, I went back and revisited that because I thought the same thing too. But people's like talked about him being a head researcher and like other people called him professor. So I was still unclear on that.
0: Well, it's important to remember also that like all of the researchers there are themselves high school students. Yeah. Um they are, like, genius high school students. But they're all still kids, which is a really fucked up situation. Yeah. Like, this is this is some, like, Roblox science shit. <laughs> where, like, <laughs> it's kids exploiting other kids at the behest <laughs> of someone who stands to, to get everything.
1: How does that make it a
0: Roblox situation? Oh, my God. Roblox right now is, like... one of the most exploitative setups ever because like you can get you can make real money by releasing uh software through like their whole platform like you can build games within roblox and get paid for it and a lot of times it's kids employing other kids but since they're all kids you can't have like an employment contract or anything like that like none of them can enter into actual contracts. And so like they exploit one another, then screw one another over with like access to the account and passwords and access to the GitHub. Like all of the stuff that there are systems in place for adults to deal with. None of that exists because it's all kids doing it.
1: That's wild. And I had no idea any of that was happening.
0: Oh yeah, no, it is. It is. <laughs> it is truly a horrific nightmare scenario and it's electronic uh, lord of the flies yeah no it is it's exactly that
1: oh my god okay wow what an epiphany we can just (laughs)
0: like the namoro hall stuff is exactly like the roblox situation like check it out (laughs) on youtube there's like some really fantastic documentaries out there about like what's going on um like, that's how this reads to me is like, we've got Akio at the top, who's recruited all of these boys to come up with a way to revolutionize the world. Because apparently, like, youth is a key factor to this. And we'll come back to that at the end of the episode.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: like, there's something about being young that matters in this calculus. And so. In order to get whatever he's after. Akio needs a bunch of kids. Which. I hate that sentence. Just came out of my mouth.
1: Yeah same. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, And so. Being like. The smartest of them. I feel like. I think that's where they give. um, Namuro The.
1: The nickname professor. Got it. Interesting that they rebuilt the hall so quickly after. And I have to wonder because of the weird stuff going on at Otori Academy, if it was like, oh yeah, they rebuilt it. Or if it was like time reset and the building was suddenly there again. I don't quite know.
0: Right. Like, are we dealing with like a frozen moment in time where everything that happens on campus is happening like in that moment, you know?
1: Well, especially because it really seems like you know, in this f- flashback that we get later um where we're seeing Nemours Hall, no, we're seeing the hall. Is it called No, what the heck is it called before it's called Nemours Hall? That's we don't good, get a name
0: that's a, that's a good question <laughs>
1: <laughs> well Namura Hall before it's called Namura Hall um, something I caught on to pretty quickly was <laughs>
0: would be so wild if it was called Namuro <laughs> Memorial Hall before Namuro <laughs> and the boys died there and yeah. everyone's just like well that's ominous <laughs>
1: <laughs> Akio just playing his hand a little too loose <laughs> It's like uh, some
0: HP Lovecraft shit, you know?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I honestly maybe that could very well be the case. That we joke, but that very well could have been <laughs> what, what It happened. has
0: eternally been known as Namuro Memorial, Memorial Hall. And it just <laughs> so happens that eventually there was something to memorialize. <laughs> right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I noticed in the flashback that we get later that um The things being carried carried back and forth are, um, I mean, it's supposed to be a reveal, but it's not really because they just kind of casually show it. Um, It's the coffins. So this really has been planned out from the start.
0: Well, at least in the rebuilt hall.
1: No, I'm talking about... um, we, the things that you see the boys carrying on oh the, yes
0: yes yes the, when they're pushing them around the halls yeah
1: yes the things that they're carrying on the carts are their own coffins which is really fucked up yeah i mean <laughs> I don't remember they are why. looking for
0: something eternal and being dead is is that
1: <laughs> that is an eternity in itself um akio yeah you said you wanted to find eternity you just didn't specify which kind he's just like a cruel (laughs) he's just mimicking a cruel god of some sort um i wish i could remember why i brought that up but i can't now (laughs) you want
0: eternity cox gun
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh i remember um You know, talking about rebuilding the hall and this whole time in the flashback, they're making the coffins and taking them to the room. And, you know, and then that gets rebuilt. I'm like, I do kind of wonder if it's like a weird time loop scenario where it wasn't rebuilt, but it was just reset. But without the lives. (laughs) (laughs) So we got like,
0: We've got like some Full Metal Alchemist shit going on here, where like the energy to power the revolution comes from killing people.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Ed and Owl just showed up and um, <laughs> just rebuilt the whole building and left. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. Um,
0: so after hearing this story from from Mikage. Rutina goes to visit Akio, presumably to be like, hey, I just heard this thing. Is this true? Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's not there. He is not in the chairman's office. Instead, we cut back to Namuro Hall. And apparently these two did not pass each other while walking from one place to the other. <laughs> because Akio shows up at Mikage's office.
1: Yeah, he kind of seems to have teleporting powers from this episode, to be honest.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like like a vampire, he just like shows up. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, he he passes Mikage a letter. And it's a very specific one. It has it's the white envelope with the rose seal on it, which we have seen as letters from the end of the world. Hmm. Um, that is a very familiar item from the first arc of the show and because like this is these are the letters that the student council was getting and Mikage opens it up and his response is fuck off man no I'm not doing this <laughs> <laughs> I don't follow your orders and that's when they bring up the idea of the contract, which is the contract that is signed with the Rose Seal. Which is the same dueling contract that the others have. Which is, you follow the orders of the end of the world in order to achieve the revolution. Mm-hmm. But he says, like, this is the contract that Ever since that time. And this is like the extended flashback for most of the rest of the episode.
1: Um, And that piece right there is pointing to us as the audience as. Yeah. Akio could at this point seems like the, he is the end of the world. Like the contract, the, you know, you made a deal with me to Mikage. uh, And then like giving him the letter directly it seems to be pointing that way, but to me it still feels like a red herring. I don't think that red herring, because he wears a red shirt, get it? (laughs) I don't, I think he he wants to seem more important and more powerful than he actually is. I still don't think he is the end of the world. It could be a possibility. Okay. But I still don't think it's him.
0: I, I immediately latched onto the way that mikage looks up and sees him holding the letter and says it's you which like you can take that two different ways which is first is just oh you're here (laughs) yeah (laughs) um (laughs) which is definitely like in keeping with mikage's tone throughout this scene um but also you can see like the letter in his hand you see like the side of Akio's body so you can tell that it's Akio like his shirt mm-hmm. is very recognizable here. Um and you can see when he says like it's you I think like the visual association there is oh you're the end of the world. Mm. But um also like it is completely in keeping with Akio as a character <laughs> that he has an inflated sense of self-worth. <laughs> so right. I can Absolutely, see it the way that you're seeing it too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm like this could go either way. The show could be like, yeah, it's him, or ah, ha ha. <laughs> so we'll see. I still Until- think the
0: end of the world is Anthy. So you know,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of with you there, and um, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that. <laughs> I forgot the other thing I was gonna say. <laughs>
0: But this is where we jump to the flashback and this flashback dominates the remainder of the episode uh, this is the first time that we see Professor Namuro and this is the first big reveal that Mikage is Namuro. The Namuro that Namuro Memorial Hall is named after is in fact Mikage. mm-hmm same hair, same glasses, same outfit—the whole works. He's clearly the new one there. The work that has been going on in this lab—I call it a lab, but like, it's not like beakers and microscopes and all that. It's more like a spiritual lab <laughs> <laughs> involving like roses and corpses. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, his introduction to this lab is like finding out what they're researching and that like they're working on the revolution and something to do with eternity, all like the stuff that we've been hearing about throughout the show so far. And this is one of those cool moments of. If we zoom out and understand that the black rose saga was introduced only to the anime it does not exist in the manga, but it drops into the anime and just like extends the world. You can see where like they're not researching some like new thing. It is the same topic that we have been circling this entire time. Something eternal, the power to revolutionize the world. Um, In a lot of ways, Mikage has a lot in common with Sionji, because Sionji's goal is something eternal. Um, yeah. As opposed to like Mickey and his shining thing, um Juri and her miracles, as opposed to all of them, we get like this laser focus on eternity, which is the same as Sionji. Like it's an entire plot arc cribbing notes from Sionji. Um, but within the show itself, like when Namuro shows up and he has to be told all of these things, like all I guess he knows is like he was brought on to research something big
1: <laughs> and was told literally nothing else. <laughs> yeah, the way that <laughs> the way that this comes off is that like somebody just put like a <sighs> Oh, my gosh. What is that? Just put like a a rag with like knockout (laughs) stuff on it. Direct. Yes. Thank you. Dragged him to uh, Otori Academy. And he woke up and was like, I think I was supposed to research something here. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it just reads like the poor guy was kidnapped and brought on. And he's like, what? Considering
0: we don't see the admissions process for this school. Yeah, it's as plausible as anything else. Like, yeah, Utina rolls in on day one. We don't know anything about her backstory except for her parents being dead. Um, Shiori just, like, shows back up again. Uh, Ruka hasn't come back yet, but, like, he's just going to roll back in the same way that Shiori did.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Everybody just, like, shows up and... um, apparently goes to school here so yeah no i i believe it i fully believe that like he was partying in
1: like in the vampire club that's probably somewhere in this world (laughs) i was gonna say
0: like he was partying in hong kong and then woke up the next day he's on a ship and then suddenly he's at otori academy you know
1: (laughs) yeah yeah because he even talks about like the power to revolutionize the world and finding eternity or whatever, he says it doesn't interest him much. So why would he show up? You know? Usually when you go to research something, it's because you're passionate about it. Or you, I mean, at the very least, it has to be like he wants the, the academic credit or whatever, you know, like the bragging rights. Well,
0: yeah, I think that, a lot of his character is shown in this moment of seeing that, like he is willing to show up and be smart around other smart people just because they are apparently doing something groundbreaking. Yeah. Like it doesn't actually matter to him what it is. It just matters that it's cutting edge. And he's like, I just need to be wherever the action is when it comes to like, putting my genius to work. Um, Like he doesn't even know what the rings are. Like he has to ask about the rings. Yeah. So he's not even brought in the same way that like Utina was. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't a ring that led him to the school. It was, Hey, you'd be good for this team. Come join. And then he has to ask about the rings.
1: Yeah. Which everybody else has, but him. Right. And then
0: we get like a lot of gossip about him, about how he's a human computer, how like he's basically a machine. And he reflects on this and he's like, yeah, actually, I kind of was back then. Uh, he describes himself as a dry man passing dry days. Mm-hmm. And he says, machines by themselves lack purpose which I think we see that like uh, it's what I just was describing is he shows up to be there around the cool people doing the cool stuff without any concept of why he's there doing it. Yeah. Like the whole power to revolutionize the world is still so abstract for him that it can't be said to be a purpose. No. And in walks purpose, uh, we get our yeah, <laughs> we get our meat cute, which is um, Tokiko Chita, where she shows up and is like, "Yeah, I was sent by the board to investigate uh, what's going on here," and so I think that means that at least she is an adult, mm-hmm. probably pretty close in age to everyone else, um, just based on like. How old she looks in a future scene, Um, and also because, like, on some level, I just don't want to read her as too much older than them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, in my mind, I kind of put her at the same age as like Akio. How Akio appears to us, like, like early twenties, maybe twenty-five.
0: That's mid-20s that's solidly mid20s. yeah um, I mean I'm thinking like 22 at at, yeah. the o- at the oldest like just out of college.
1: Yeah, I could um, see that.
0: But like this is an interesting scene with like hands pointing at symbols with mm-hmm. um, like an audio ding. Each time the hand flashes, and it's interesting that they. It's interesting that the show teaches us to listen for that audio because in future shots, the hand won't be in the shot when the dinging starts, but the camera will pan over to where the hand is. Things like that. Um. So it's very important to know that there's like a very clear audio cue along with the visual cue of the finger pointing. Mm-hmm. And over the course of this scene, it points to a cat, tea, the butterfly picture on the wall, mm-hmm. two cats, three cats. <laughs> um, and then later we will see it pointing to a person in a lab coat who I think we're meant to assume is Mikage like I don't know if it pans up enough to see the hair Uh, we see lipstick on the teacup and in a moment it's going to point to an open door where Mamiya is talking to Tokiko in the rose garden yeah but this scene takes place in Tokiko's house so we are off campus at this point and And Tokiko says something here that really stands out to me. Like she's talking about the tea and how long it's taking and not sure like she was steeping it long enough. And she says, is it possible for an hourglass to run slow? Mm. So we have another one of those like signifiers that time isn't what we're seeing it as here just like with what we're going to find out later about how much time has passed between when Namuro Hall burned down and the supposed present day even though Mikage and Namuro still look the same yeah but very importantly Tokiko later has aged considerably
1: yeah yeah, and I didn't even catch on to the like, but that makes sense now. Looking back on it, I didn't catch on to it first when Tokiko's talking about like, I swear I t- steeped this tea for the same amount of time, but it tastes like I steeped it for way longer. Right. And then the thing about the hourglass too, yeah, and how the hourglass is very noticeably like present and like even it stands out in the way that they colored it, uh, mm-hmm. in the scenes. And the thing about like one cat going to three cats to me kind of signified like the importance that these two now take in um, Mikage slash Namuro's life, um, where it kind of feels like they become a little unit. Right. My brain, my brain immediately is like they're a little family. <laughs> well, that's certainly what Mikage wants, or yeah. in this case, Namuro. Um, he
0: he falls for Tokiko, and like any true step parent also falls for Mamiya and yeah. wants to see them taken care of because like in this scene, at least he is still very dismissive of the quest for eternity. Mm-hmm. He's like, um, you know, the there's too much pride in this. People should be grateful for what God has given them.
1: Yeah. That was so interesting. <laughs> That was so interesting for him to have taken that stance in the beginning to where he stands now. Like, I wonder if he ever thinks of himself as a hypocrite. Well,
0: I think on some level, like, this speaks to that piece about, like, lacking purpose. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, on, it's the same way that, again, he is a parallel to Utana. Mm-hmm. because she shows up to the school lacking purpose like she wants to find her prince and she wants to stop anthe from being hurt but she could not care less about eternity or the power to revolutionize the world those are completely off her radar yeah and like with with Mika- or with uh and with namuro at this point he talks about himself as being a machine without purpose. He's there to research it. He's clearly the best of them at this research, but he couldn't care less about what this is for. And then suddenly he is presented with something where this power that they are seeking can actually help him help someone that he cares about. And now he's going to want it because this is the scene where he meets Mamiya. And Mamiya says that he read Namuro's paper um, and he respects him. Mm-hmm. He thought it was interesting and all that. And he says that his sister came to Otori to meet him. Which is a huge ulterior motive reveal here. Because, like, what we knew so far is that Tokiko was... The- there on behalf of the board of the school and so getting herself to be assigned there by the board in order to meet namuro that's huge yeah and so we get the sense that like maybe these feelings aren't
1: just one way either mm-hmm. which is why i understand why you're like i don't want to think about her as being too much older <laughs> because <laughs> that's um questionable at best like unless he at he is
0: also himself in his 20s right but i definitely come down on the side of him being one of the boys like the others just like yeah. given that nickname professor
1: yeah like the senior in high school right that's that's about it uh two other interesting things that stood out to me from this scene um where that when Namuro is talking to Tokiko, he talks about um, <laughs> they're talking about the rumors of revolutionizing the world and attaining eternity. And he goes, "It sounds like we're building a perpetual motion machine." Which I was like, "Yeah, he's probably not too far off." Like, <laughs> it's uh, from what what we see, Otori Academy. It seems like it's kind of stuck in the same perpetual motion like it's in its own it's time is moving but it's like it's almost just <laughs> resetting <laughs> at the end of each day um with storylines and things still progressing but like no time is ever actually spent so it well, just a can-
0: perpetual motion machine is a generator that doesn't need fuel yeah it's just like an infinite source of energy and i think like he's latching on to the idea of the power to revolutionize the world more so than like uh, like in a very literal sense <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah he's like eternity whatever industrial revolution <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 um and then the other thing that stood out to me was um i thought it was weird that um, you know they catch Mamiya in the rose garden, or rather, um, Tokiko, his sister, does. And when namuro comes out there and starts talking, or just watching at that point, um, he's just watching the two interact with each other. And she like turns and sees him and cries a little bit because she's upset about the state that her brother is in. Um, but she leaves. Which I thought was interesting. She's like, go back to bed and leaves the two of them in the Rose Garden. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, uh, that one doesn't quite add up. Yeah.
0: So we get like a bunch of insert shots of like the research going on at the school. This is the scene, I think, where we see the coffins being pushed down the hall and we see the boys with the rings again. And then we get a scene where Namuro visits Mamiya and Mamiya has this bouquet of black roses sitting on the table in front of him. And they're in like the rose garden again. And this time there's like a whole tea service there. And Mamiya offers um, sugar preserved roses And comments that the black roses are dried flowers, meant to preserve them uh, for a little bit longer. He says, I wonder if the flowers like being made to last longer. Mm -hmm. And it's clear he's also talking about himself. Because we find out that Mamiya is very sick. um, Probably a terminal disease. and. This is going to be what drives Namuro to to mm-hmm. find something to save Mamia. But Mamiya here is saying like you know, if it's my time, it's my time. Yeah. If like if I'm preserved like uh, an insect in amber like that's not living anymore. That's just being preserved. In order to look like I'm alive. Yeah. Which put a pin in that because I think Mamiya is describing Mikage for later. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um But in this scene, we have another one of those fingers pointing, and this is the scene where the finger is pointing at the leaf. So like the butterfly in the the frame. Has gone back to a leaf for Namuro for the first time. Like yeah. this is the like the first time that that happened. It happens for Namuro in the flashback, and the moment it recedes to being a leaf is when um, Namuro notices the the teacup with the lipstick, and he is at this moment committing to saving mamiya like it's not spoken aloud but like this is the change that get, gets namuro to um actually want to pr- pursue this idea of eternity and revolutionizing the world
1: which is interesting because you know we see the butterfly in uh in the frame in the like confessional elevator in namuro hall like um And what I've always attributed it to is when somebody is like confessing and spiraling and then the butterfly is going back in time to its like egg stage. To me, it's symbolized a regression. So if I'm looking at it through the same lens with Nomuro slash Makage here, This is his regression. It takes him all the way back. Not just to like a caterpillar stage, but to an egg.
0: Well, I think that the symbolism of it is not just about like regressing in terms of like maturity or whatnot, but like the idea that you're getting back to the core, like the key moment, the key truth the the deepest part of you, the part that um, set everything else in motion. Okay. And so like this scene, I think gives us some context for what that means for the other scenes that we've already seen is that like this is the moment that Namuro becomes Mikage. got it like this is mikage's genesis moment this is his origin story this is the the moment where he decides to commit to being a duelist even though like he still has a scene yet where that doesn't seem to be the case it's noteworthy that the very next scene is akio recognizing this change and rolling up with a ring and being like it's time yeah yeah and actually, that is the next scene. So I'm just going to go to it. Akio gives him the ring and says, um, like, the first step of all of this is to revolutionize the world. Nomura doesn't take it. He doesn't take the ring. So he drops it in the teacup, the same teacup that Tokiko drank from that has the lipstick on it. And this is where Akio is the first one to actually say this line of your only option is to revolutionize the world. The path before you has been prepared. We Mm -hmm. find out that Mikage has been echoing Akio this entire time. Those were the words that Akio used to turn him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And he gives him an envelope with the ring too. And he reads it and he goes, I can't possibly do this.
0: Yeah. That's when Akio says, Your only option is to revolutionize the world. Yep. You put on that ring. You're mine. Mm Mm-hmm. You'll get the power you want, but you're mine. Yep. And so he takes this Faustian bargain. (laughs) And immediately it is turned against him. Uh, He's walking down the hallway, and it's the same hallway that we see later except there's no chairs in the hallway yet we have not reached the point of the hundred boys with the fingers on the like the signs with the fingers pointing Mm -hmm. but he takes the hallway and he comes upon akio kissing
1: tokiko Which, I mean, I didn't even really see coming, but Akio like the ultimate villain in this show right now. So, of course, he's Mr. Steal Your Girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the next thing we see is it pulls back to a shot of the hall, like the entire building, the Memorial Hall building. And it's on fire. Yeah.
0: And Namuro and Mamiya are watching the fire when Tokiko shows up. And Mamiya admits to burning the place down. Yeah. Which... Blows my mind. Like... I did not see that one coming. I figured it would have been Nomuro who burned the whole yeah. down. Like I thought that was going to be the orders that Akio had given him. Uh, but it was Mamiya who burned it down. Yeah. And, but Nomuro is right there to justify it. He's like, you know, just like with oil and coal uh, and the way that those require the sacrifice of animals from you know millions of years ago all new energy requires
1: sacrifice
0: this is just the first step the path to eternity will open here at this school
1: which is crazy that he just was like yeah these 100 dead boys that's gonna that's the same as gasoline baby that's the same <laughs> as diesel fuel yep this is this is some proper soul
0: engine shit. Like, we're gonna kill these hundred boys, and this is gonna be the source of power for what we need to do next for revolutionizing the world.
1: Nomuro's like Pat's building. This whole baby can. <laughs> this baby can hold a hundred dead boys as oil in it. <laughs>
0: And yeah, so then we cut back to the present day and we see a photo on Mikage's desk and it's back to Mikage now as opposed to Nomuro because um, it's the present day. And there's the photo of Mamiya on the desk and it's the same like duelist uniform that Mamiya has been wearing this entire plot arc. And we see Tokiko putting roses on what we come to learn is mamiya's grave yeah and then she passes mikage in the hall she recognizes him and he does not acknowledge her at all yeah and so then we get a shadow girls moment
1: yeah and it's of the Shadow Girl saying that she's a robot. She's an all-purpose robot that doesn't age. She's she's superior to humans. And oh, she's never troubled. You know what? Monkeys, they're no problem for her. She can catch a monkey quickly. Which I'm assuming is a reference to Choo Choo. <laughs> <laughs> and Makake catching Choo Choo earlier. Um and yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's the kind of like what makage has made himself into now um you know he doesn't age now um he's he's always kind of seen himself as superior
0: yeah doesn't age doesn't tire good at catching monkeys and then he says or the shadow girl says "Um, i'm also not lonely Mm -hmm. i have the monkeys
1: to keep me company And Tokiko responds, but it breaks my heart to see you like this now.
0: Yeah. I think that like that last line of having the monkeys to keep him company. um, Because we're clearly talking about Mikage here. Yeah. It's as much like at this point, the corpses of the hundred boys as it was the hundred boys when they were alive.
1: Yeah. And just like everybody in the school. Like, I mean, he sees himself as superior to everyone. Mm-hmm. So everybody else is just a, just a monkey.
0: And this is the first indication that we see of like Tokiko has aged considerably and he has not.
1: Yeah. This is the first time we've seen an adult on this show with wrinkles.
0: And we get this wonderful scene with Utna and Anthe in the Rose Garden where Utena is saying, you don't have to do what this mysterious guy tells you. And Anthe says, it can't be helped. I'm the Rose Bride. And so like we get this moment between them where we're echoing the argument that they've been having all along. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that this mysterious guy she's referring to the end of the world. I'm guessing that this means that Anthe has gotten orders from the end of the world to do something. Mm-hmm. Because Utana doesn't know who this is. Because um, like, if it was Akio telling her to do something, she would just say, you don't have to do this just because your brother told you to. Right. That isn't what she says. But what's important is that we're not neutral observers in this scene. This isn't just like a a neutral camera. We are seeing this scene play out from Mikage's perspective as he's watching the two of them have this argument. Yeah. And in this moment, he sees the parallel between Utana and Anthe and Tokiko and Mamiya. And in the present day, he has taken Tokiko's place as mm-hmm. the one who's watching out for Mamiya. So again, we're back to this parallel of we have Mamiya and Mikage as like the un-Anthi and Utena. <laughs> yeah. The anti-Anthi and anti-Utena. Um, but this is like the first time that like visually we see that parallel made Pretty explicit,
1: yeah. I mean, Utena repeats a same line that Tokiko said to Mamiya years ago.
0: So then we get what is quite possibly the biggest reveal on the show yet. This episode, and this entire episode has just been a banger from start to finish as far as like new information goes. Tokiko goes to visit Akio in the chairman's office in the the planetarium. And she comments on the fact that he and Mikage look like they haven't aged at all.
1: Mm -hmm. They look
0: the same as they did back then. And he says, so long as they stay within these gardens called schools, people will never become adults. This is apparently
1: very literal here. <laughs> yeah, which is just wild to <laughs> to take in.
0: Cuz like she's clearly at least like 15 years older, if not
1: more. Yeah.
0: I would I would venture to say almost 20 to 25 years older.
1: Yep. I would
0: agree. And he says so you're living a normal life now and there's almost like this derisive tone to that of like you gave up on what we're seeking here in order to have a normal life didn't you
1: and she owns up to it she's like yeah i have a a husband who's a kind man and he provides to me provides for me like <laughs> it almost reads like a (laughs) if there like if there was a tone in this because they they seem to just like be talking like adults kind of coolly to one another but if there was a shady tone to this it would be like talking to your ex which he kind of is but where she's like yeah i've got a kind man now who takes care of me Hmm, isn't that crazy accio (laughs)
0: well i think it's more along the lines of like yeah, I grew up. I'm fine with that. Yeah. And we get, that for the first time, a really explicit moment of seeing that whatever is going on here is rooted in not growing up. Yeah. And that, like, whatever Akio is seeking, whatever this power to revolutionize the world is, it's almost like got like this Neverland quality to it. Like you can't get it in the real world. You can't get it by having a normal life and growing up and becoming an adult. You can only get it here
1: while you're a kid. So here's what I'm not really understanding. Um, The episode s- seems to be, treating mamiya like he's died correct but we've seen him unless that's a ghost but he he he's looks older than what this episode has shown sure does so uh what the fuck (laughs) and even her what do you uh, think (laughs) even his his sister thinks that he's dead Right. So, uh,
0: and her, and his sister is definitely out in the real world, also. Yeah. And whatever has happened, for whatever reason, Mamiya's grave is here at a Tory Academy. So, what do you think happened? I.
1: I don't know because you know that scene where uh Memorial Hall is on fire and the two of them are standing outside, and Tokiko comes running and is talking to Mamiya. There's two points from this that I don't get. One is Mamiya and the like the outside world acting like he's dead. <clears throat> The second one I'm not understanding is how <sighs> he must have died in some capacity for Tokiko to have given this up, right? Because she wouldn't have left this otherwise. The whole episode was talking about how You know, she liked to preserve roses and sugar and dry flowers to try to keep them alive as long as possible. So she would have done anything to keep Mamiya alive, I think. So she had to have seen him die in some way. Mm -hmm. But he's still alive on campus, so... Yeah, don't quite get it. I don't think it's a... it could be a faked his own death thing, but <laughs> but I don't think it's that. I just think I'm missing a piece of the puzzle.
0: I will say you will get that piece next episode, but I want to hear your theory now before you get it.
1: <laughs> sure. Uh, well, it probably has something to do with the time looping that's going on at Otori Academy. So he very well could have died, and then the school is just like, nah. <laughs> um, I think though, there's something else there because, I mean, even Mikage talks about like, yeah, Professor Nomuro died in that fire, so like he left a piece of himself behind. In whatever he did to make the contract with Akio, so Mamiya probably did the same to stay alive, or in this version of living, if it even is that. Sure, it probably has like Mamiya's current life stage <laughs> probably has something to do with why he wants to take the position of the Rose Bride too. That I would assume is what he is viewing the eternal life piece as, is staying on forever as the Rose Bride.
0: Okay. Yeah, I now just cannot wait until next episode and you you find (laughs) out what's really going on here.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because when we ended this episode, I was like, this just doesn't make sense. Why would Takiko give up And leave like she the whole episode was pointing to she would never give up on her brother.
0: I would say that there is a preponderance of evidence that Mamiya is dead. Yeah. That like the person who at this point definitely interacts with the real world is grieving a loss that I am guessing actually happened.
1: Yeah. Had
0: to have. And so whatever is going on is some a Academy bullshit not whatever is like, not like a fake death situation.
1: Yeah. And the, the ending phrase of the episode, when um, the episode ends, it's Akio and Tokiko talking. And the last thing she says before the episode ends is, did you know that for a plant to bear fruit, its flowers have to die? So like, I don't know if she's talking about like, oh, it's kind of, uh it's kind of bleak and twisted a little bit. But like, if you're looking at Mamiya as the flowers, or like their family as the flowers, like Mamiya or had to Anthe, die,
0: or Anthe as the rose bride, also.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. That in order for anything to come out of it and for things to move forward in their life cycle, the flowers have to die.
0: And here we have a Tori Academy, which is a place that is all about preserving the flowers as they are. Mm-hmm. We have a rose garden, and a girl who has the specific role <clears throat> of keeping the flowers alive.
1: Yeah. Well, and there, you know, there's all kinds of um, metaphors about like youth as a flower and preserving the youth and blah blah blah. So that fits in here too.
0: And also, Akio's whole philosophy of um stars fading every minute of their life. Yeah. Like every <clears throat> every second older you get, the dimmer your your light is. Um and just like how bleak that philosophy is. But it also fits with the idea of wanting that eternal youth, too.
1: Yeah. And there's one other thing that I want to point out. So Um, towards the end of the episode and at the beginning of the episode too, you know, we see the shot on the desk of Mikage looking at the picture of Mamiya in like their duelist outfit. Don't know what uniform that is (laughs) outside of here. I I don't know. Um, like how did they. Mostly
0: like with the style of like Nanami's duelist outfit. Like a red shirt in Nanami's outfit.
1: Yes, but I'm like, but how did they get that outfit? So, like, what is that?
0: <laughs> but um, well, we actually do see Mamiya in that outfit on the foot or in the photo on the mantel place at um, Yes house. Yes, so that's we, what I was going to say. Yeah, So we don't know, like, where that's from.
1: It almost looks like. Mikage took the the photo and cut her out of it.
0: Oh, you mean the photo on the desk? Yeah. Possible. I was thinking that this implies that like, the reason that Mamiya is at Otori Academy is that Mamiya attended Atori Academy, which is why Tokiko is there and why all of this is happening there. I wonder if mamiya used to be a student council member in like Ooh. the previous generation
1: could be could very well that's be. my
0: tinfoil hat like i think mamiya was a, a student council member before he got sick
1: yeah you know what i'll roll with that one too it's also just a very good outfit
0: because <laughs> <laughs> like i'm thinking that that is that is in fact his duelist outfit um i'm i'm thinking he was a a rose duelist and then he got sick.
1: Yeah. Yeah because um again that shot at the like Memorial Hall burning that that's when they talk about like yeah, Mamiya made a contract too. So he would have had a a duelist ring. Also can we I just have to fit this in. Can we talk about the black ring? the black duelist ring, the black rose ring mm-hmm. this whole time, you know, it's like, Oh, the, the rings that the student council has are white. And the ones that the, uh, black rose duelists have are black. And that's like, because we are the good guys? And they're the bad ones. And it's like, no, it's because, um, all these rings that they're getting are from bodies that burned in a fire.
0: Well, that's what they the said. Ri- um, they the said rings, that, like the, the rings turn black when someone dies.
1: Yeah. But, like, if you think about it literally, it just it's because it just has ash. It just burned. <laughs> it just burned in a fire. That's why it's black. Yeah. I never thought about that until we saw the fire scene, and I was like, "Oh God, this is so like gruesome.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, also, um, in the present day, Mikage talks about Namuro having died. But it's very important to point out here, Mikage's ring is still silver. He didn't Mm -hmm. die. He didn't die in that fire. We saw he didn't die in that fire. All he could be talking about here is a metaphorical death of my old identity is gone.
1: Yeah. yeah, And any feelings he had towards um, Tokiko. Right. That shit is gone. He said, I'm going to wipe the slate like a Capricorn. (laughs) (laughs) That's my tinfoil hat theory for this episode. Makage is a Capricorn. (laughs) (laughs) He sure acts like a Capricorn, man. Work, work, work. And I never fall in love because love hurts me.
0: (laughs) So what are your predictions for next time? (sighs) We get some really interesting shots in this preview.
1: Yeah, we do. We see, like, Anthea and Utena holding hands.
0: Yeah. We get some new set pieces that mm-hmm. we've never seen before. Giving a, like, end of one arc, beginning of the next arc feel. Mm-hmm. But where do you think we're going next with this?
1: I mean, I want to. S- I don't know that it's going to happen, but I would love to see Mamiya come out and actually try to duel Utena. I think that would be really cool.
0: Okay, Um, so you're saying Mamiya is going to be the duelist, not Mikage?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I am going to say that. All right. That would be sick.
0: (laughs) So you're saying Akio was right that Mikage won't actually duel?
1: Yeah, I don't think he will. I mean, uh, uh, maybe as a last resort thing, but I think somebody else, I think Mamiya would have to step in before he would actually do it. Okay. Okay. Ghost fight, ghost fight, ghost fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, the preview said something about like the puppet master, blah, 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 which Akio definitely is. I mean, we knew kind of, but like he definitely is at this point. Um, so interested to see where that goes to.
0: Yeah. Um, next episode, just like this one. Going to be a ton of new information. It's going to bring all of this together again and put a nice little bow on it. And then that bow is just going to make you go, what the fuck, man? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. But yeah, we're going to get some answers to some of the things that we've been wondering, but I don't know if we've focused enough on um by the time we get the answer to it like it's going to put a lot of things into perspective and a lot of things into context that is going to make some of the stuff that we've talked about make a lot more sense
1: all right i'm so excited
0: if you guys have any thoughts on like who mamiya is or uh who mikage is or like what actually went down with the Nomura Hall and all of that stuff, please write in. You have time now uh, before the next episode to to get those in and we will read it on the air um, or on the recording. This isn't really like broadcast, I guess. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, please write in. You can write in to us at absolute destiny, a podcast at gmail.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter at Zetai Pod. We're also both individually on Twitter.
1: I'm at Life and Neon. And I'm at Car Cutie. Uh, we both also do Twitch stuff sometimes. Uh, and right now I'm building Skyrim in The Sims 4. So come <laughs> hang out at twitch.tv slash Car Cutie. See you next time.